This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Homesdale Radio, Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015. Well, Welcome once more to Homesdale Radio. And looking at um, well, the start of the season, a lot was made of the fact we had a really, really tough start. And sort of we had that, that spell, we got to eight games done, 15 points, and it was an excellent return. Uh, the last couple of games have had in, in defeat, though. But do you think this emphasises just how tough the Premier League, League is? Of course, yeah, and you know those of us that try to keep our feet on the ground are constantly saying this when people are getting carried away. You know, it's um, two very tight games where perhaps you know things didn't go for us one way or the other. And if that happens in a Premier League game, then there's a good chance you'll get beat. Um, so just got to keep on with it. There'll be other games that we won where if we look back and we were honest about them, things probably went for us a little bit more. Mm. So you know we've we 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 just can't get carried away. We've got to keep working hard as a group and um, everybody in the club, and, and I'm sure we'll we'll carry on, you know, improving. But um, it's certainly a good start in spite of all that. You know, we're in good shape. We've got a couple of tough games going up, coming up, and both the Manchester clubs back to back is never an easy week. But um, obviously, ones in the League Cup, which is quite exciting. And then Manchester United at home. So, you know, enjoyable fixtures coming up and, and hopefully we can certainly on Saturday pick some points up. Luck hasn't been really on our sides in these past few weeks. We've had a bit of few few injuries, a couple of suspensions. And to probably look at if we didn't have them that they could have gone the other way. So in terms of squad planning and the players we've brought in and let go, do you think that these things could have gone the other way? Well I don't think you can really say that about the West Ham games. We went down to ten men at one all, so who knows what we might have done in the second half? You know, Gailey had kept himself on the pitch. Um, and then definitely, I think it's a bit harsh on Fraser and, and Patrick. He probably hasn't, you know, as good a chance as he has. But certainly, Shamak being injured um, very early again. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, you know, other players being injured. Connor obviously being injured. And not ideal, you know, we probably, not thinking for the manager, but we probably brought Connor in thinking that he was a 
you know, our lead striker, if you like. And uh, and obviously he's been out, and, and Mario Shamak's been out. They're two big losses for any club. So it's, it's not ideal, but we've got other strikers that we're confident in. I know Alan's confident in them, and, you know, it's a chance for them to shine. So uh, I'm, I'm happy with what we did. You know, we've, we've got a lot of strikers at the club, but as you say, if they're injured, they can't play. And that, but that happens at any club. You've got to, you know, the other people have got to step up then and take their chance. It's, it's definitely a little bit frustrating because you're desperate to see, you know, how, how Wickham would play with Shamak in behind him, how, you know, how Kabai would interact with, with Shamak as well would be another good one, all those sort of things. Sort of desperate for it to happen, but, you know, it's always, like you say, it, it does happen in football that way. Um, well, I also, I also talk about it the other way around, though. Sometimes I think we've got too many players, and we're, you know, but obviously you do get injuries, so uh, we've got good depth in the squad. Uh, but as, as you quite rightly pointed out, we haven't had the best of luck in the last couple of games, and um, you know we, we haven't created as many chances as much as people not putting them away. You know you can only score if, if the chances are created. So hopefully you know we put that right over the next couple of weeks. Um, the, the, the pundits and fans alike have looked at the team this season, and, and even early on we're talking about Palace as a club that they expected to do well, which is almost sort of new territory for us in the Premier League. And you've talked before about the the idea of being ambitious, about having this expectation and sort of demanding more. Are you still kind of the view that the positives of, of, of increased expectation outweigh the negatives? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that um, people should be expecting to do better. Obviously, I think you have this problem when you do win a few games back-to-back. Yeah, we, you know, when you do win a few games back-to-back, I think people come to the next one just expect you're going to win. And that doesn't always happen, you know, in the league. And, you know, I think the West Ham game, there was a real expectation that we would win. And people start to kind of take it for granted quite early on where you are and how you're doing. And that's just not the Premier League. You know, there's a lot of very, very good teams out there. They're very tight games. And if things don't go for you or you don't take your chances, then obviously you can get beat. So I think it's a little bit of a roller coaster sometimes of emotions for fans. You know, they, yeah. they worry. They don't think you're going to do well, then you do do well, then they expect you're going to do well, then you don't do quite so well. You know, it's, <laughs> that's just human nature. There's, there's, there's nothing you can really do about it. But I think the majority of us keep our feet on the ground and try and keep a level head, although it's, it's always difficult when you win a few games back to back. Probably one that quite a lot of people want to hear about is the, the standard of refereeing this season. Obviously, there's been a couple of decisions which have probably been against us in the past couple of weeks as well as the luck of the injuries. Um, but Alan Pardew does have to choose his words quite carefully with regards to refereeing after and before games. And I guess you have to do the same. But what do you think about the refereeing that you've seen so far this season? Well, I think that there's, there's areas that are disappointing for me. And I think I'm very specific on my areas of disappointment, which are uh, this kind of whole business that you can't seem to get booked in the first 20 minutes. So that, that leads into a, a, an inconsistency, in my view, and a sense of injustice. You know, there are enough grey areas in the game on refereeing decisions that when we've got areas that aren't grey, where we've all agreed with what's happened, i.e. a player is... Uh, committing a foul that we would all agree is a yellow card offence or a player is deliberately stopping a break pulling a shirt back or tipping somebody who's about to break and create an attack that is a yellow card offence I'm assured by the people at the the Premier League and the rest organisations PGMO I'm assured that that is a yellow card but apparently it's not a yellow card often in the first 20 minutes 
because we factor in this thing called common sense by Danny Murphy, who I've got a lot of time for talking about, but I don't agree with him on this issue. That, you know, the Yaya Torre didn't get a booking in the first five minutes against Man United for a foul almost, almost identical to Dwight Dow's foul against West Ham because it was in the first five minutes. Well, how long does that go for? Is it five minutes? Is it 10 minutes? Is it 20 minutes? Are we then saying to players, you can do anything you like in the first 20 minutes, you can't get a yellow card? And then it just leads to a sense of injustice, I think, amongst everybody because we see so many anomalies in the game where sometimes something's a yellow card and sometimes it isn't. And I think that's probably my biggest frustration, frankly. I think that if referees don't see things or they misinterpret things, I was disappointed on Saturday because from where I was sitting, it didn't look like a dive. Uh, Wilfie's got no history of diving. You know, it was almost felt like, well, you've had two penalties from Wilfie, you're not getting another one. Yeah. You know, and if I'm not going to give it, I've got to give him a yellow card for diving. But I don't know, that's what it feels like. So the handball, he, he doesn't see it. You know, the referee doesn't see it, he doesn't see it. You know, what can you do? Um, but I think... Everybody feels the same, to be honest. I think everybody feels a little bit like that. Every club has their moments. We tend, to, we all do tend to look at it a little bit one-eyed when it affects us. Uh, unfortunately, you do seem to have run, runs of bad luck with, with refereeing decisions yeah. or, or you're more open to the anomalies. But I do know that the organisations are working as hard as they can. The referees try and get it, get it right. I know that. And I think the standard generally... Is very high compared to other leagues. We've just got to work on that last little piece, I think. Of, uh, and my main bugbear is just consistency around decision. If we if we agree that's a yellow card foul or a yellow card tug back preventing the break, then it should be a yellow card come what may. Yeah, I think the main thing is, I mean, they had the summer camp this summer after the season because obviously towards the end of last season, from probably about January onwards. There were quite a few big decisions which were being questioned in the media week in, week out. So I think probably one of the main questions I've got probably towards that is personally as a chairman, as a, as a football fan as well, to be honest, what do you think needs to change among refereeing to improve the standards? Well, I think they're working constantly to try and improve the standards. I think that there, there's a problem bringing referees into the standard required for the Premier League. I know they're investing a lot of money in training and fitness and all of those things. So, you know, I don't think it's... I think there are some little anomalies in idiosyncrasies. I don't think there's a crisis. You know, I think generally they get a lot of very tough decisions right. I think it's just on those... Um, on those, what I would call anomalies, where nobody's really clear um, where, where this word common sense comes into play. You know, I would prefer we had black and white rules. You know, I really would. I don't really understand this business of you know, sometimes we're going to use the rest of common sense. I just don't get that angle at all from um, people. If Dwight Dow's two fouls are two yellows, they're two yellows. Send them off. But then they've got to be two yellows every time anybody steps on a football pitch. Not not different in different games because it's a big game and we don't want to ruin it. Or uh, and and I think that that's probably my only bugbear. The rest of it, I think, we're pretty good on. I think the offsides are generally pretty good. Obviously, we get some wrong. I would hate to see, I'm completely against most of the forms of technology that are being put forward. I think if we created a stop-start game like rugby, we could really damage the game. Challenges and all these artificial devices 
I think the flow of the game and the excitement in the game and even the odd refereeing decision being wrong are part of the addiction to football. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Absolutely fair. I've still got this idea in my mind that I'd quite like to see, you know, almost like the occasional referral system. I know Wenger mentioned it years ago saying, you know, similar to cricket where you've got one per half and it's red cards or goals only, but you're probably right. Probably best to, to leave it. Uh, over to you, Lucy. Um, Steve, uh, it's been observed by some of the fans and that the Premier League culture, you know, sort of pricey tickets, the idea that um, other grounds are sort of seen as tourist attractions and the general hype. Um, do you think it's got maybe having um, a negative impact on our support of late? Is that something that concerns you? <coughs> do you think it is? Um, I certainly think the atmosphere is affected when we're losing. Um, I, I, I'm an Arthur Waite girl and um, I sit sort of the side that's nearest to the HF and it certainly is noticeable when we're losing that it, it's it's different. Well, I think that's expectation and disappointment. I don't really think people are thinking about ticket prices at that point, do you? Not at that in point. The, at the moment, in a football match, they're going, oh, I would cheer, but actually my ticket's a bit pricey. So I'm, 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 I'm not going to. I mean, I think that it's just expectation and disappointment. I think people come to games now expecting we'll win. They talk themselves into the fact that we'll win. We all do it. I'm not being critical. Of course we do. We're fourth in the league. You know, we're looking upwards, not downwards. You know, we all believe the hype. And we all want to believe it because we love the club so much. And then we come to the game and, you know, things go wrong. And it kind of just, we're a bit dumbstruck for a while. Um, and we find it hard to do the things. Whereas if you come to the game expecting very little, which is maybe what we, you know, certainly the first year in the Premier League, <laughs> then it's it's kind of I think you're in a different mindset. That's what I sense in the ground is is a little bit of you know a bit of shock because oh we expected to win this, um, and so people are just a little bit quiet and don't really know in the moment what to do. I don't think you know there's there's I mean we've sold. 17, we're still selling season tickets. We sold 17,500 season tickets. We've got about 3,000 casual tickets left to sell. You know, Arsenal sell out 60,000 a week. Their tickets are, I think their cheapest season ticket is three times something like that, the price of our average ticket, and they're selling 60,000 of them. Yeah. You know, I think we forget. I mean, I went to, you know, basketball when I was in the States. I was astounded at how much money it was. I mean, all right, you know, I was kind of in a nice seat, normal seat, not a box. I think I paid $350 each. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it, I think our ticket prices are really reasonable. I really do. I mean, I think if you think, you know, that average, our average season ticket price this year is 430 quid. Mm. That's our average across everything. Um, so if you divide that by 20 games, um, you know, it's really not a lot of, of, of money, I don't think, to, to the amount of entertainment that you get. I don't know what you think, you know, it's 20 odd quid a game. You know, it's, I think that's pretty good, personally. I'd certainly say that's it's excellent at home in the Premier League. And I don't, to be honest with you, I think the, the issue of ticket prices came up because obviously the message boards are often alive, particularly after a defeat where the atmosphere has been a little flat and people start looking for things to blame. And one of the things is obviously, you know, we're now a Premier League club. It's that Premier League attitude and particularly away games, you know, prices to, to go and visit away grounds, you know, generally speaking, are pretty high. And, and 
and people are getting priced, feel they're getting priced out, perhaps, and are sort of blaming the atmosphere problems on that, to sort of give it context. Yeah, but then you could say the most vocal support, you know, the most vocal are our away supporters, I think. Yeah. And they're paying the most to travel, to go. You know, I think, honestly, when you lose, I think you could make it free and people wouldn't feel good about it. I don't feel good about it. You know, I mean, it's it's... I mean, certainly for us, I mean, how, how cheap do people want it to be? You know, I mean, it's 20 quid a game if you buy a season ticket, just over. You know, it, the only reason we ever charge sort of anything over about 35 quid for home fans is we, um, it, it's, you know, to, or 35, I think our average is 35 or 36 quid for a away fan. And the only reason we ever average gets dragged up is because if, you know, some of the clubs that charge us 50 quid, can we charge them 50 quid? Yeah. yeah. So, um, listen, I don't want to... I'm in favour of something being done on ticket prices, but we all know that for some people, free wouldn't be cheap enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I don't think our ticket prices are extortionate. And if, I can't buy into the fact that some people aren't seeing because I think 430 quid for, you know... 19 times 90 minutes of entertainment. I mean, it's 20 odd quid. You can't, you're trying to go to the cinema, you know, you've, you've paid that. It's, you know, I think, personally, I think it's good value for money. And we yeah. don't seem to have any problem selling the ticket. Um, away tickets, I would like to see regulated in some way because I think away fans are an important part of the game. Um, but then, you know, there there are other issues relating to away fans and allocation of tickets we get from clubs. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And things like that that we're also working on to make sure, because, you know, we often get a, a, a choice between, I mean, I'd say 1,200 tickets sale and return or 2,500 tickets, but we have to commit to buying them all. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, and it's becoming a really hard thing to judge depending on when the game is, how many tickets we take. I mean, a couple of times it's cost us some, you know, reasonable money uh, to pay for tickets that we didn't sell effectively. And with the displacement of games for TV, it's really hard to get. Three o'clock on Saturday afternoon, our fans will travel, we'll sell out, you know, 90% of the allocations that we get given. But if you move that game to 12.30... It's really hard to know how many people are prepared to get up at the cracker door or, or stay over the night before. So, um, 
you know, there are issues around tickets and, and, and maintaining the vibrancy of supporting our stadiums. And, and these are all things I know the league are looking at. What's the biggest priority at the club for you right now, given how the club are performing well in the majority of games in the top half of the Premier League? Um, well, the biggest priority is to stay in the league. You know, you can't... That, that isn't just, a, you know, just because you're playing well at this moment. It's a constant... You know, we're coming towards a January transfer window, so, you know, we need to be clear about what we want, what we're doing, are we doing anything, are we doing nothing? You know, you just cannot stand still. That is a constant constant work in progress your football team and your playing personnel and we've got to stay in the league and anybody starts taking it for granted you know it's silly because anybody can get relegated from this league and I mean anybody if you don't get it right so uh, that's the priority and then the second priority is just to continue developing the club obviously the stadium is very important to me Um, finding a way to develop that sensibly affordably in a way that gives us all something to be proud of and something that will generate more income. Um, the academy has got a very nice new facility. We've, we've split the academy in the first team and that's enabled us to have a much better first team training ground and now we've got the academy have got their own training ground as well. But we need a permanent home for them <coughs> and we're working on that. So there isn't any real one priority beyond staying in the league because if we can stay in this league then we can throw off bits of money here or there to develop the club in all of the other ways that we want to develop the club. Yeah. You mentioned briefly, obviously, uh, January transfer window. Um, are you already looking at potential options to strengthen or give some alternative tactical options for the manager? We never stop. <laughs> never stops that process. You know, we don't... You know, the head of recruitment has been looking at games and the manager's been looking at what he's got and everybody's talking to everybody to try and make sure that we feel we're in a good place to go forward. I mean, you know, you have to improve. We would always try and improve. We would always trade or do a deal to try and improve. So um, the manager's obviously at the centre of that and um, we constantly, I mean, there's a day go by that we won't be talking about some kind of player or Alan might be talking to other recruitment or other people. So it's just, uh, obviously it heats up more as you get closer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll certainly be looking to, to do things. Do you have we do. I mean, there's no imperative. It's not like other transfer windows. You know, it's nice to go into a January transfer window, hopefully, where, you know, we don't really feel that we, we desperately need to freshen it up. But we would always look to do it if we could. I know you uh, won't give any names or anything, but are there any particular areas you're looking at specifically, or any any have you got have you seen people that you're interested in? No, well, I wouldn't want to say really, but there no. are people out there that we're interested in that we're not sure that we can get. Kind of, we've got a couple of areas where we think certainly long term we need to be looking at things but generally we're in pretty good shape we feel as a squad we're happy with it you know so it would only really be if something was better than what we've got (coughs) Um, so it would be more more opportunist you know we can get that person we think they're better and of course some of it depends if you get offers the players that the players happy to go and you're happy to accept them you know that's also something that's relevant to that and we've seen a couple of um, players out on loan in just playing out of their feet at the moment you've got Sully Kaikai four goals in four games and you've got quite a few players which are just really impressing at the levels that they're playing at 
And you've got Mark Bright um, in a role looking after the loans out of the club now. Um, how did the idea of that role come about? Well, I just felt that it was, I mean, first and foremost, the whole kind of aftercare of the boys at the academy wasn't what Gary or I wanted it to be. You know, Gary's in the muck and bullets every day. Gary's at, who runs the academy, obviously um, running teams, recruiting, coaching, running the coaches. So that's where often I can have a bit more of a view. And, and also he's been, you know, in the years before the recent Premier League years, he's often, you know, been fighting budget cuts and trying to make his money go as far as he can. So, you know, perhaps hasn't thought maybe about, you know, the bigger picture and other things that we could do to make it better. This this particular problem is really, you know, you get to the Premier League, whereas there was a real easy route for those players into the first team because we were playing the championship. Now it's much harder. So, um, and then when we were putting them out on loan, it didn't feel to me like there was much of a thought process about where they went. It was kind of who asked. If a club rang us and asked, we would say, yes, okay. And then often they would just sit on the bench. They wouldn't play. Um, We didn't really have time to diligence whether the role that they were being asked to go and do at the club they were going to was one that was suitable for them and that they could succeed at it. So they're almost doomed to failure before they went. And then probably the most worrying for me is when they went, we really had no contact with them at all. You know, we, we just got some reports from the club or um, just thought just on a kind of human level, if you're a young man, maybe 18, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, and you, you know, you've only ever lived in South London and you're being asked to go to, I don't know, Burnley or, you know, living in digs, <coughs> away from your family, away from your friends, trying your best to perform and nobody from the club even comes to say hello or makes you feel like you're still a part of Crystal Palace Football Club or you belong in some way to us. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty awful, really. So the initial role was that. So it's twofold, really. It's looking after the 17 to 20-year-olds, trying to look at where they go on loan, is it the right place for them? And then when they're on loan, go and see them, produce reports for the manager and try and find what is the next left stage for them. You know, are they going to be good enough to play in Crystal Palace's first team, in which case, make representations for the manager. Now, in that regard, I need a, somebody that the manager will listen to. And obviously, that's all about respect. And, you know, Alan and Mark played together for a long time. They've known each other for many, many years. And Alan's got all the time in the world for Mark as a right. So it was a kind of natural... You know, we're talking about a man who's been in coach there, our kids striking for probably the past 15 years for no money on a Thursday night. Yeah. Apart from when he had his hip done and he couldn't do it for himself. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so um, it was just an obvious role. And I think, you know, to say that all of the current successes are down just to Mark wouldn't be fair on Gary and the manager who have also inputted into that heavily um, because we've got a manager who's interested in our football club and takes interest in the academy and for example here in Baratang uh, Alan got a call from Plymouth and he said to me Hiram could do that job that they wanted to do there he will excel at that job they're asking him to do um, I think he should go there on loan so um, there was a little bit of diligence done and obviously just with that little bit of care taken 
we've seen. I think he's played virtually every minute. You know, they're yeah, just starting yeah. to drift him in and out a bit now because I think he's just worried at 19 years old the amount of football he's played. But he's, he's had man of the matches over there. Um, he's, he's doing great for them. So, and then Mark's got involved with, with, with players, not just the ones that you've seen doing well, but in trying to get other players out. Mark's very respected in football, well-liked. You know, not only can he give a view about what our player can do to a, a manager that's thinking to take them alone, but also, you know, when he goes to see them, he gets invited, you know, into the manager's room to talk about how the player's been training. He can go and watch them train sometimes. You know, he can get that kind of access. So, it's absolutely fantastic. And then he's also been visiting other academies for me to look at what, what happens to the boys that don't make it and what our aftercare should be for the boys that don't make it, how we can help them into other careers and give them a bit of a soft landing and all that kind of thing. So, um, you know, he's another person that will massively help move the club along. And, and you, you, you know, he's, you know, when Soleil does well, Mark's on the phone to him. When he does bad, he's on the phone to him. You know, when, when um, Jerome Bill and Williams is going through a tough period, he can ring Brighty and Brighty will go and have a chat to him and go through clips and, you know, just generally try and help them through uh, their loan periods and try and get the best out of them. And I think, you know, <coughs> we can see already, I think Jerome had his best game for Burton, I think, at the weekend, I was told. And also yeah. the feedback we're getting. Suddenly I get a report every week. I know exactly what all the players are doing, what stage they're at. What should we be thinking about for them in January? Do we think they're going to make it with us? Would we do a deal with another club to let them go? You know, Keshi again, another one, in constant contact with Mark, um, getting man in the match performances, scoring winning goals. I mean, that was playing non-league. You know, he's now playing in the Football League, scoring goals, doing great. So, I think we've gone from... I mean, I think some of our players happen to be maturing around now. So, uh, before Mark's head gets too big, Gary, you know, <laughs> has done a lot of work with these lads to get them to the stage where they're ready. But it's definitely helped. And, and you're seeing, you know, very, very quickly um, the fruits of, of everybody's work in, in just trying to make us more focused about how we develop the kids in this new world where it's not quite so easy to get them into the... To the, to the um, first team. No, that's great. I really, really appreciate the insight on that. It's fascinating stuff and like you say, definitely having an impact. And in a similar way, John Salako's obviously come into the, the first team as well. You, uh, we spoke to Andy Woodman a little while back and he said, you know, obviously it's about getting people in at the manager trust. Is there like an intention to get the, it's almost like the, the old Liverpool boot room philosophy? I, I, I think that's part of it. I think the manager likes having positive people around him. Um, we all, you know, John's just such a great guy, a good coach. And I think, you know, Alan likes positive people around him. And if they've been connected with the club, it, it, it's always a good thing because, you know, they care that little bit more. So I think that, you know, those decisions are all Alan's. I'm pleased with the people he's bringing in, but really, you know, they're up to him. But I'm very pleased that, that he's got those type of people that have got a connection because I think it... It really does. You notice that those people go the extra mile, and they just understand that much more about the club. Um, it's a lot easier for me to be around them because uh, I've known them a little bit before as well. So it's, it's just very positive. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, last little bit for you. Um, we haven't seen you involved in any racing of late. Are you still doing that, or has uh, Palace taken over your whole life? Yeah, it has. Unfortunately, I mean, um, I I kind of had the accident. 
a few years back now. And then when I went back to it, I I wasn't um, quite as quick because I was kind of driving. I was thinking more about hitting things than you should when you're driving a racing car. And and um, uh, I've got some plans this year, maybe. Um, but to go back to something slightly different that I always wanted to do. Um, the problem is making it work around the football. Um, obviously, most of the races are over the weekend, and most of the uh, football is over the weekend. And you can rest assured that they pretty much always clash. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was getting, I was rushing back halfway through practice and all that kind of thing to. Um, watch games and think it's not ideal really so we'll have a look at the schedule of one or two series and see if I can do it but um, I, you know I think football comes first you know the club unfortunately or fortunately <laughs> for me has to come first you know it, it, we've got this massive opportunity to, to really develop the club and improve it once in a lifetime really opportunity so you know I've got to make sure we grasp that with both hands so as long as I can pri- prioritise that it would be nice. I miss the lads and the engineers. I mean, it, it, weirdly, the things you miss is kind of the Wednesday morning at six o'clock going to Silverstone to practice. You know, and it's just such a nice, crisp, cold morning. The cars are there. You've got a clear racetrack. And, um, you know, you can go and practice and improve and just the camaraderie of it all. So, you know, I do miss it. I would like to try and do some of it. Um, but I just need to find the right series to do, really. Oh, fingers crossed you can get back into that soon. Okay, last thing. Um, obviously, you know, we've been nominated for Football Blogging Awards for Best Podcast. Obviously, you'll be voting for us. But would you also say that all Palace fans must immediately vote for us in these awards? And if not, you'd, you'd consider a stadium ban for them? Well, I think I'll go further than that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that it's every Palace fan's duty. I mean, everything we enter, we should try and win, right? So it's every Palace fan's duty to vote for you. We will be checking as people arrive for the Man United game whether they have voted for you. And if they haven't voted for you, they will be denied entry. That's brilliant. Thanks, Steve. I mean, I expected as much, but it's good to get confirmation on that. Yeah. So, uh, and if you know, if you want to help police that, feel free. If there are a few people that have upset you in any other way, even if they did vote for you and you want them banned as well, I'm happy to do that. Good stuff. <laughs> I'll pop down earlier. We'll, we'll sort that one out. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Steve. Appreciate well, well, it. Well, good luck with that. I hope I hope you do very well. You certainly deserve it. it it's amazing all of these things that fans do, you know, and the, the way that you keep it up like you do. I hope we support you as much as we should. Um, I try and give you, you know, your fair share of exclusives and stuff like that. So that, um, because it's, you know, when we're in the championship and there's a lot less interest in us, I know you guys have been there promoting this, you know, getting people involved in the club, as the five-year plan guys have, and, you know, all of the other things that, that exist. So we certainly do wish you all the best, and, and, and it's a great thing. I listen to them a lot, always enjoy listening to them, always get some insights and keep in touch with the fans, what they think. So we certainly wish you all the best. Homesdale Radio, Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015. www.holradio.net The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, 
When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.